I'm so happy to see all of you. Uh, some of you have seen you before. Some of you are new. You're welcome. Uh, is the manager going to say something? Oh, she has already said something. All right, so I would like to begin this program uh, by inviting you to talk first. <laughs> because always when I come to these events, I talk. Now you're going to talk also. You're going to have a chance to talk before we really start. Uh, this is a kind of a style now I'm using uh, when I'm teaching. I've just come to teach from prison in Washington, D.C., D.C. DC prison, and then I was giving a talk at All Souls Church in, in, in D.C. And, but I use more of this style now in Mississippi where I actually taught. I told the people that what do you want me to say this weekend? And I found out that it was very effective because if I'm left on my devices, I can entertain myself. Because I give, I give talks in a prison in Australia. I was giving a talk in the NZ Bank. I give talks in Brazil, Catholic University in Uganda. I've taught in two Catholic universities. I, I mean, there's a, a whole flavors of talks that I don't know which to choose from. Because it's, it changes the way I teach students who are doing a degree, like in Brazil, is different from the, where I will teach the prisoners in Washington, D.C. And it's going to be different the way how I teach much kids. I have a peace school in Uganda. So it's all different. And I never knew what people want to hear. So now, for the first time, I use this approach in Mississippi, and it was very effective. So then I was able to address your questions, their questions in Q&A, then in my Dhamma talk, in my instruction, and everywhere, everybody went happy. So I say, okay, I should apply it this time. Of course, I, I don't have a chance everywhere because sometimes we team teach, like at, at IMS, in Barry, Massachusetts, at uh, Spirit Rock. I don't have a choice, but if really I'm leading myself, this is what I do. So we are going to start. Before I give even instructions, because <coughs> I can really uh, say something that you don't want to hear. So the question is, what does it mean to be awake from moment to moment? Okay. Then the question really I want you to uh, answer is, do you have difficulties in finding balance in your day life? And the question really I want to ask you, what do you want to hear this weekend, actually, whether today or tomorrow? And I'm going to write it, but be rest assured that I'll address it either in question and answer session or in a talk or instructions. If you're shy, you write me paper. <laughs> write it on a paper after lunch, but I, I invite you to really uh, feel free to share what would, what's the most important thing on your mind. Why don't you find balance and peace in your day life? And what's really on your mind, really, that if I really mention it, you think that you're going to practice it and it will make a difference in your life? Yes. Anything? 
I can weave it actually. It may not be re related to the topic for the weekend, but I can weave it into because the Dharma is all connected. All right? It's all connected. Mm -hmm. Okay, just a moment because I'm writing. Dealing with difficult emo emotions. Uh -huh. Down, down and heavy. Okay. Can you name some of them that that you are familiar with? Like uh, difficult emotions, like one uh, fear, what? Fear, uh huh. Uh, worthless. Okay, low esteem. Mm. Low esteem. Yeah. Mm. F feeling of worth. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, another person. Anyway, how can you practice Dharma in daily life? Actually, I've written a book about that, a small book about that, how to practice Dharma in daily life. That's what it boils down, yeah, in daily life. In other words, how can you take it home from here? Yeah, yeah so this is exactly that question I addressed it in my book called Planting, I mean, how to practice Dharma in daily life. Okay, another person? Mm -hmm. How to deal with anger? How to deal? Just a moment. Emotion. Okay, not being present, not being. Okay, how to deal with the judgment? How to deal with judgment? Mm -hmm. How to maintain focus while transitioning? While transitioning. In other words, uh, how to have priorities, how to make decisions, something like that. Yeah. How to stay present. How to stay present. How to reconnect with our practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, equanimity. Practice with family members. Mm -hmm. Females for overcoming bad habits uh, such as okay, watching too much television and another one, another example. What you call bad habits? Because what you call bad might be good for others. <laughs> It's a relative, so uh, really, yeah. Uh, escapism, overeating. Okay, good. So another person. How to recognize positive states of mind? States of mind. Mm -hmm. And stay with them. Dealing with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Another one. Embracing things as they are uh, in place of place of expectation. Expectations. Karma and karmic. What is the whole retreat about that? 
make dates certain things to happen especially in social okay uh, that's actual anxiety yeah yeah so that's also worry actually mo most of what I, I found out most of the thing we worry about they never happen <laughs> really this is my experience <laughs> so why worry actually it's better if we don't bother worrying but anyway we'll, we'll try to see what yeah okay another one if you have another one okay what we are doing uh, our friend is uh, I'm giving a chance for people to flash out things that they want to hear this weekend so that actually I incorporate them in either my instructions, Dharma talk, Q&A discussion. So not all at once, but uh, slowly by slowly I, I introduce. Yeah, yeah, so this is for your benefit and for the benefit of others. Okay. Okay, let me see. Once you recognize a certain pattern, of your thoughts, what do you do with it? Okay, this is a question is very easy to answer. If it's leading to suffering, drop it. If it's leading to happiness, keep it. Because <laughs> it can be a pattern of giving something, and you recognize eh, every time when my mother comes, I give her gifts. Okay, every time. So if it's really bringing you happiness maintain it and if it's giving you a lot of suffering let's say every time you have fear and fear about fear anger about anger being angry when you get angry you become angry about being angry so you actually just drop that no that's the practice is to keep on letting go again <laughs> when something when let's say you sweep your your house is that going to be clean for the next hundred years no so what do you do you sweep it it comes you sweep that's exactly what you have even with the food, when you eat today meal in a five-star hotel, eh? and you spend uh, 500 US dollars, so do you stay, okay, I'll stay a week, fool. Yeah, yeah, it's very expensive. I spent almost 500 dollars. That's worth around 20 meals. So it's okay, I'll go to sleep or go for sightseeing. No, the law of nature is that actually, it doesn't matter how expensive meal you ate, after 22 hours it will be digested and probably after 8 hours you need another meal <laughs> whether it's from 5 star hotel or wherever you have to get another meal so basically it's a constant practice you're not doing it in one stroke until and until you attain final enlightenment when those things are not going to come back when you attain enlightenment those things are not going to come back but so long as there's a root that nourishes them they're going to come back so that's easy, I can answer it right now. I don't need even to integrate it, but I try as much as to integrate, and that's very easy. Oh, I will tell you. <laughs> the practice of Noble Eightfold Path, Vipassana meditation, insight meditation, is what actually keeps on weakening that root. Weakening that root, and weaken the more you, you, you practice Vipassana meditation, the more it weakens the root and one time it will just go. It's like when you want to cut a tree. Eh? You keep on cutting. Ta, ta. Five times, 200 times, the tree is there, tree is there, tree is there, maybe one month. 
until actually you do like and then it falls down then the big question for you is it the hundredth hundredth heat or is the first heat that was responsible for, for that tree to fall down what do you think if I want to cut a tree and I just keep on cutting and then I get hungry, I can take water and the tree is still there. I don't give up. I keep on banging, banging 50 times, 100 times. But on the 100th time, I hit like this and it falls down. The question to you, what made that tree fall down? Is it the last one or the beginning one? Both. All of them. So the practice of meditation is keep on banging in the same place. Not here, after there, and after here. <laughs> the tree will never fall. <laughs> you have to keep on hitting the same place where you'll be hitting, hitting again and again, until maybe at some time T, I don't know when, but if you keep on banging in the same place, it will fall. But if you say, okay, I bang here, then that's Vipassana meditation. Another time you go to Sufi dance, another time you go to this and this and this. So, so many traditions and all this, I'm not saying you shouldn't go there, I'm just an, an, analyzing. You may take a long time to hit the, the tree to fall down, right? So it's better to bang in the same place. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to Sufi dance, African tradition and all. But you can do those things, but you know that, okay, where the root is, is actually to practice Vipassana meditation and hit it run. So you can go and drink water, take food to get more strong. That means you can get to other tradition, get inspiration and all this. But really don't forget where you hit the first one. And you keep on hitting in the same place. That's Vipassana meditation. It will be cut. I wanted to answer that right away. <laughs> yeah, because most of the time we have the same problem. How do you recognize certain things, pattern of thoughts? Okay, another one. Probably last one. Other people don't have, I think. Uh-huh. Okay, here we have a million dollar question. Mm -hmm. why, I, why am I here? Why am I? Why am I here? Question, why not? Answer. <laughs> I don't be here. It's easier to answer. Okay, another one. Huh? Another one? Wh wh I've written a question, why am I here? Another, another question? Where are you going? Where am I going? Okay, where am I going? You are going here, actually. You are going here. <laughs> Have you read the book, Being Nobody, Going Nowhere? Oh, yeah, you should read it. It's by Ayakema. Being Nobody, Going Nowhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, where am I going? Okay. Where am I coming from? You are coming from nowhere. Where am I coming from? Am I coming from? Okay, so uh, lastly, our friend here, we are we have written two pages here of questions that need to be addressed here. Uh, what's in your mind? Basically, this is not my question. This is your question. So I'll be happy to answer them as we go. Do you have any question in your mind? So basically, let us start our topic today. Uh, our topic today is. Uh, yeah, it's about equanimity in our daily life, awakening to our true nature. What does it mean to be awake from moment to moment, MTM, moment to moment? Uh, do, you f do you have difficulties in finding balance in life? Are you centered and grounded in your life? 
So we will explore the seven uh, one of the seven factors of enlightenment, equanimity and uh, concentration. So, yes, so this is our theme today. So we are going to really integrate all your questions to see where they fit in this theme. So now, uh, equanimity. Equanimity means even-mindedness, even. Yeah? So that means you are no longer pushed to extremes. Uh, extremes. Uh, whenever you find yourself in extremes, that means you are not uh, uh, really in the present moment because we have left our, our present moment. So the reason why we do it, I think, is more of a conditioning. More of the conditioning we have, uh, especially the way we live our life. We don't allow ourselves to be in the present moment. So we, we are so much always pushed on extremes, eh? and we want to be there. And, and I think that's a safe place. And we are told that it's more productive if you stay on extremes. Right? So uh, there is a, I don't know if you have heard about these three terms, human doing, human having, and human be, uh, doing. Human having, human doing, and human being. So in our daily life, we are told you must have this, you must have this, you must have this, you must have this. And when we have something, you feel happy, isn't it? Let's say, what do you feel when you have a nice shirt? You feel happy. When you, you have a nice car, you feel happy. When you have a, a nice education, you feel happy. A nice spouse, you feel happy. Children, family. So most of things that makes us happy is when you have something. Especially if you envision for something and you like it very much, you feel so happy, whether it's a cold beer, nice beach, whatever. So we all thrive on having something. And in fact, that's the first thing they will ask. What do you have? People always are interested in what do you have. Then you tell them what you have. Oh, I have two children. I have a sailboat. I have two cars. I have, I have a house in Florida. So it's more of having that ma makes us human being. In other words, that's how we have defined our being. And then on our on other extreme, also we always um, uh, ask, "What are you doing?" Every time, "Hey, what have you been doing?" For us, that's more important. Hey, what have, how have you been? How have you, what have you been doing? Then we say, oh, I've been gardening, I've been doing this, this. So that then defines us as a human being. Ah, we never ask others, what, what are you being? <laughs> Who has ever asked you something whether, what have you been being? Eh? Nobody really actually interested in that. Yeah? And in fact, I saw this when I came to New York for the first time. The first time I came to New York was in 2000, and I came to see Ugandan friend who was doing a master's degree in, in finance, and then I, I went to Queens, and then I went to his house, and then when he was going to college, he left me with all gadgets, the remote control, the computer, for the TV, everything. I was surrounded with all these gadgets because he's going to be away for his uh, class. So he went. I had all these gadgets. And that time I had already finished a three-month course, three-month meditation. So when he came back, 
he found me seated like this. And as he opened his door, I did like this. He said, Stephen, that time I used to be called Stephen, what have you been doing? He said, I've been meditating. I've been just sitting here. I said, is that what you did? Yeah, I said, yes. Was that boring? I mean, you mean you didn't even see the TV? You didn't open the computer? I said, no, no, I just went for a little walk. So I went to walk a little bit in the Queens and came back. So this poor Ugandan, all what he knew, he was, he has to be doing something. Even when he had the space to be, he was actually feeling it with doing something. So we are now uncomfortable with being in the present moment. That's very scary. And we have to teach ourselves. It might take a while <laughs> to really enjoy to be. <laughs> it's really very difficult because we're not there. And in fact, this is our birthright. When we are born, we are in that being. You look at the baby when they sit in the cradle. They are just being in the present moment, looking here, looking there. Until the visitor comes, they say, hey, look, look, look here, look, look. And then he turns like this or she turns like this. We even reach there on the other side. And then he turns like this until he just give up or she gives up. And then he just attends everything. Then somebody bring a bell, somebody bring red light. Some distract the poor baby from its present moment. <laughs> and then this is a problem now. Wherever we take them, the baby, we take them to, to visit. Hey, well, beautiful. The baby look like with that innocent look. Then we bring a lot of stuff to distract it. So from our childhood, we've been actually deprived of that moment. And now when they grow up, let's say a little bit, they may be four, four years, if they five years, eight years, they don't do their homework. We tell them to go to that place of silence as a punishment. Oh, you didn't do your homework. Go to your room. Then they learn the, present, the, the sense of being in a present moment, being alone in silence as a punishment. And they, don't feel, they feel uncomfortable. I remember very well I was in Massachusetts, one kid didn't do something didn't do something and we are talking, 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 talking and then you go to your room, I'm going to lock you there go inside but because, it's good of course but the, because the attitude is more of a punishment, not to be with other people, then that kid is no longer going to be there peacefully, he's going to sit as a punishment all the time he's going to be tossing up and down because it's a punishment you see so you see how we, we deprive ourselves being? So meditation, I think that it's a technique that helps us to always come back to the present moment to reclaim our birthright, and that's why you're called a human being. That's why you're called a human being, being in the present moment. And from there we can find space and peace, and then we can do other things. I'm not this, uh, underplaying uh, doing something and having something, even we monks who have robes and this and this. What I'm saying is that I'm comfortable in the present moment. If you're not comfortable in being, if you're not comfortable with the present moment, I can give you everything in the world. You still lack something. You have a sense of lack because you're not at peace with yourself without anything. So the net effect, we depend so much on the external world and we actually lose our internal strength of being be with whatever it is. Being with the breath, which keeps us alive. I think that's the most important thing we have human being, to be with the breath that keeps us alive. 
but when I tell you to be with the breath, which takes only two to three seconds, then our mind is looking for something to do. <laughs> so it's looking for something to have. So now the invitation this weekend, I think, is more always to come back to being and feel what it means to be with your breath, with yourself in your body, other than just getting lost in the past and future and multitask the present moment because that's what we do. I was at the airport coming to New York. I saw somebody with, plugged in with the music, then eating something and watching a movie on a computer. Good luck. If you want to be in the present moment and you multitask like that, you, even the present moment, which is beautiful, you're not going to enjoy it. Why? You're lost in the past and the future. You have mortgaged your future, so to say. And you're multitasking multi the present moment. What if I drop everything and I just eat? In fact, that's what I do. When people bring me food, I say, okay, now I'm just, I'm just going to eat. I'm not a, a saint. Of course, I'm going to have thoughts because after here I'm going to German and Austria. I might have a thought from moment to moment when I'm eating, but at least I'm not distracted with music, with something else. All right? So doing one, time, one thing at a time, especially food that nourishes you, how can you multitask task eating, really? Because it's that food, if it, you just... Actually, I looked at her, how she was swallowing. She was just... I knew that it's going to have indigestion. Because it's not taking time to chew. Because all the time is enjoying the music. <laughs> so, well, with this kind of busy life, I know you are living, of course, you have to eat while driving. I'm not saying, okay, uh, now live the way I live my life. I'm saying have a meal in one day where actually you're focusing. You're focusing. And also I know most of your, most of your couples, still you can really eat but also have moments of really silence. That's okay. You can even determine and say, I'm not going to speak when my food is in the mouth. Then you chew, 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 chew. And then as you are waiting to get your food, you can keep talking like this. So you can integrate your equanimity. Yeah, instead of living on one side, okay, I'm not going to talk. And then your husband or spouse say, hey, how are you? That's another extreme. Another extreme is keep not eating, I mean talking, eating all the time. And you spend two hours eating because you've been talking also. So what I'm, I like to bring the equanimity balance is, okay, you determine, okay, as well, whenever my food is in the mouth, I'm going to not speak at the same time. I wait until I swallow, then I speak. That would be a good balance, really, other than eating when your mouth, because you can't digest food very well. If you're eating and talking, you can't digest your food, chew your food properly. So you can make that, that determination for healthy purpose, for your healthy purposes, because if food is not digested very well in the mouth, because that's where digestion takes place more than here, then you're going to absorb food better, and also you're not going to have all the, the, the eating disorders and indigestion and all that thing. So you can do it for health's sake, but also for sake, for balancing, for mindfulness. Because you may not get uh, 30 minutes of meditation in your daily life, but you can do it as you're eating, as you're chewing, you can be mindfulness of chewing, 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 chewing. Okay, I think the invitation is going to be more of a coming back to the present moment. So I'm going to give you instructions uh, today starting with concentration, because when the mind is concentrated, is focusing, then 
that become a condition for equanimity. Because when you're focused, you are going to be equanimous. And the way how to focus, we are going to start with our mind itself by cultivating meta loving kindness. When you have loving kindness meta, then you are going to have equanimity. Because we have divided human being into three. We have friends, we have enemies, we have strangers. So when we actually have equanimity, then we are going to see human beings as brothers and sisters, not just strangers and enemies and all these things. Why do we call people friends? Because there's desire, there's pleasant feeling. So we react to that and then, hey, you're a friend. In fact, even somebody make a good comment, oh, I like your hairdo. Yeah, that's our ally. Then, oh, yeah, he's a friend. Are you sure he's your friend? It's just a bee. So you have equanimity, not being actually being prejudiced because he just gave, or she just gave a, a good comment. You don't know very well, but at least you have equanimity as a human being, even if he's not your friend, but he can be just a human being, and then you have equanimity. Now, if somebody make a comment, ah, uh, maybe when you are driving and say you are a bad driver, ah, you're not their number, and then you meet them maybe in shopping market and shopping mall. Then straight away they become your enemies because they just say only one single word. So they become our enemies. Do you have equanimity? No. You don't have equanimity because you see them as enemies because they just made a small comment. But they may not be your, not your enemies actually. But because we don't have equanimity, then we put them in a pigeon box. These are our enemies. Then somebody you see like me, bundled in clothes like this, is a stranger. But actually, I'm not a stranger because people don't know me. But once they get to know me, I'm not a stranger. So always we are pulled in pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. That's actually what governs our life. That's why we don't have equanimity. Because we see this thing in, in those three angles. But with equanimity, we learn to balance between uh, the, what's pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and even it out. Even it out, even if you don't know me, when I have a, when you have equanimity, see me as a human being. Even a friend, see them as a human being. Even enemies, see them as a human being, not because they said something. So I think we are going to start with cultivating meta loving kindness because when we have meta loving kindness, then we are going to feel glad. When we feel gladness, there's going to be joy. When there's joy, there's going to be tranquility. When there's tranquility, there's going to be happiness. And then we are happy, then we can concentrate. Most people think that they have to gain concentration first in order to be happy. That's where the problem comes. Even when it comes to meditation, all what they do, they are looking for happiness. I want to sit here and, medit and meditate and gain concentration. And sometimes they come to me, but I can't concentrate on the breath. But concentration is a byproduct of the practice. Concentration is actually a product of having paid your attention constantly, either to the breath or to the metaphrases, and then you have gladness, then joy, calmness, happiness, then concentration. So, in other words, there is a process to, be co to gain concentration. Other than the other way around, we are goal-oriented, and we, had the, we saw this picture when somebody is sitting like this, like a tree, like a vegetable, always meditating. So, we associate concentration, meditation with concentration. People come to me and say, no, concentration will come later and you don't have to force it. It will come naturally when you have been practicing loving kindness 
then you get concentration. And once you have concentration, then you have the ability to focus. Once you have ability to focus, then you are going to be equanimous. So I think let us start with uh, sitting comfortably, and I give you a few guided meditation until like maybe 20 minutes, let us sit. Yeah. We are going to use loving kindness to be equanimous, loving kindness, so that we see beings as they are not just me. So, take a few slow deep breaths. deep slow breath help us to oxygenate the blood and after that don't control your breath chin parallel to the ground opening your shoulders so that you are not squeezing your lungs eyes half open or half closed Letting go all the tension in the shoulders, wherever you feel the tension, let go. Settle back in the present moment, letting go the past and the future. Breathing in, letting go of the past and the future. Breathing in, here and now, breathing out, letting go of the past and the future. See if you can be in the present moment, human doing, a human being. Now we can begin with awareness of sound. Because the sounds points to the natural quality of mindfulness. The object of sound appears and we are present. Awareness of sound. Simply be aware of it by hearing, hearing. No need to mention the source of the sound. Now, we, when we get that grounding in a body and what's around our body, like sound, then I would like to invite you if you can reflect on one thing that you like about yourself. Maybe you've been generous, very kind. This is not the time to think about negative things. And then from that place of softness and tenderness, see if you can send loving kindness to yourself. So we are using meta loving kindness to cultivate concentration so that we are more focused. We are letting go of anger and aversion towards ourselves, towards others. So we begin 
by reflecting on a simple phrase that we wish for ourselves for a long time. May I be happy. May I be healthy. So you can just wish yourself to be happy, that means happy mind and to be healthy, happy body. And I'm sure all of you want to be healthy and happy. See if you can wish that for yourself. This is an intention to be happy and healthy. It's not forcing or faking it until you make it. just an intention, you are intending to be happy and peaceful. See if you can cultivate that intention or some intention. You can use more elaborate phrases. May I be safe? That means free from difficult emotions like fear, anxiety and so on, or external self, to be safe, to be free from hurricanes and all different elements, heat waves and all that. May I be healthy, may I be happy. May I live at ease, that means may day-to-day -day relationship be not a struggle. May I live at ease. See if you can find out what resonates with you in those phrases. You can choose one, two, three, or four, but see if you can constantly repeat the same phrase. Whether it's peaceful, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, may I be well, may I be safe, may I be healthy. Whatever phrase that resonates with you, you can even repeat it in your own language. Allowing the breath to be in the background. a friend, relative, a benefactor, may my friend be well, happy and peaceful. Or you can say, reflect softly, mentally, may my friend be healthy, may my friend be happy. Seeing your friend of relative happy and peaceful. The neutral person that we call a stranger, somebody whom we don't know, share the same experience. 
that you are, you are sharing. So see if you can bring to your mind somebody whom you have met and he is not your friend or enemy and wish them the same thing. May you be healthy. May you be happy. Turn on to a difficult person, somebody who's not too much annoying, but just a little bit irritating. So see if you can wish them happiness also. May you be happy. May you be healthy. So if you have, see if you can have equanimity towards a neutral person, strangers in your life, friends in your life, difficult people in your life. See if you can put them on the same footing as beings, that is just beings. It's what they it's just what they are. And then lastly, you send loving kindness to all beings without exception, whether they are enemies, neutral beings, friends. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy without any distinction. If you can sustain your attention to the phrases of loving kindness, things will yourself happy and peaceful. You can feel the warmness and joy with the breath.
you are breathing in, you feel happiness, joy, breathing in. As you breathe out, you send out loving kindness, happiness. May all beings be happy, be healthy. You can leave the breath in the background and just focus only on the phrases. Wishing all beings to be happy is a high, exalted mind without any distinction between friends, relatives, utopia, and difficult people. wonders, come back to the body and reconnect slowly with the breath. Once you've reconnected with the breath, so you can send loving kindness to yourself, may I be happy, may I be peaceful. and peaceful. Without distinction.
if you can connect the breath with happiness as you breathe in, you really feel that you are breathing in happiness. And you are breathing out happiness. Visualize yourself as a happy being, not just only somebody who is suffering all the time. Because that's what the breath does to you. Whenever you breathe in, it brings healthy and life, vitality. But you don't pay attention to it. Having seen that all beings like oneself have a desire for happiness, one develops love and kindness to all beings. going to stand a little bit uh, because uh, we've been sitting for a long while, a long while. so uh, let us do standing meditation. Very important to stay in your body and be a human being. 
because always the man wants to go in the mode of hurry. Think, oh, I, I want to ask you. I want to find out. So it just get those gaps when you're not connected. Then desire something. That's very important to remember. Just say gap. It's like when you don't close your windows properly. That's always in the just on the gap. Right? And once you find a small opening like this, because it's air, sucks in everything very fast. <laughs> so those moments you live in your mind when you're not engaged, the department can get sucked in easier, either fear, anxiety, or whatever, because you're doing something that the mind doesn't do it naturally, because of over-conditioning of the past. We have over-conditioned our mind that way to have something, to do something. So when you're trying to be in a being from the present moment, just give it a small gap like this, and then things will rush in. Then they keep us from our beautiful present moment. Okay, standing meditation, we actually unlock those padlocks in your knees. Stand with the relaxed knees, not just locked like this. Relax like this. And then we can keep our hands relaxed, open our chest, chin parallel to the ground. Eyes half closed. Don't close your eyes because you can fall easily. And then take a deep, slow breath. Oxygen the blood. A couple of three deep, slow breaths. Take us to feel grounded. And also the feeling of the breath, how it feels when the lungs are full. And the sensation of the breath, the warmth. Then we can take a general survey of, of, of how we feel in the body when we are standing. So we let, uh, we let our mind scan around the eyes, jaws, shoulders, hips, the knees. If there's any tension in those areas, try to let go. Because the tension that builds in our day life, because we're not in the present moment, so the body actually freezes. But once we are in the present moment, the body relaxes. So in a way of any tension, try to let go. And then and simply be aware that this body is standing. So awareness belongs to the mind, and the body standing is the body. It belongs to the body. So Once you have done that, getting the general awareness that this body is standing here, the mind is not lost in the past and the future, but it's here in the body. Not, nothing, uh, nothing to do. You don't have to be special to really be in here. You just be there. And no need to do anything really. Just stand here. Standing, the body is standing. zoom in and find out where you feel the sensations. So probably in the feet, touching the ground, there are some sensations of warmth, hardness, softness, pressure, throbbing. So this is what 
grounds us in the present moment. Other than thinking where we are going after this or what we have been doing in the past, we are in the present moment with whatever it is. We don't have to create anything, just deal with whatever is arising in the present moment. This is what I call grounding, grounding yourself, be centered. Really, really act now, yeah. contact with the act. Whether you go shopping, or doing something, you get a moment of standing, then you can get grounded. And it's this grounding that's gonna help you when you're doing other things, you'll be more grounded. Because you're connected to the present moment, to the present, to the body. When you're doing standing meditation, you leave the breath now in the background and simply be aware of the sensation in the feet. What happened to this sensation? Rising, passing away, rising, passing away, rising, passing away. Don't say anything, don't have to create anything. Simply be aware of this body standing. See if you can have the general awareness of this body standing here. Do you feel anxiety? 
what's the motion background? Maybe you're bored. Simply here we are bored. Here. And that. Maybe you're restless. Whatever it is that will arise for you from moment to moment, simply recognize it and come to the body. We did standing meditation, but I want to tell you I think human beings don't stand enough. Human beings, they don't stand enough. So when you go to your computer, you sit. When you drive, you sit. When you go to visit somebody, sit here. Everything is always invitation to sit. Even people don't walk enough these days because of the short distance and they have to drive. And so really standing meditation is very powerful because you can get moments of standing. Let's say when you go to the shopping mall to buy something, when you're waiting for the cash, and the balance, so you can use, use this moment to stand, but be stand when your eyes are open because you're going to cause a lot of commotion. Because people behind you might be frustrated as you're standing there still. Hey, buddy, go. <laughs> you're enjoying your present moment when you close your eyes. But you need to open your eyes and then actually take every moment to stand because uh, standing meditation takes a lot of energy and that balances out. We are talking about equanimity, it balances out. When you sit and meditate, you gain more concentration. Then sometimes there's less energy. Then that's why you feel asleep. As, as sleepiness actually doesn't mean that you're closing your eyes and nodding. But actually also it means that congealed mind where actually you cannot observe things. When I say, okay, can you pay attention to the phrases, may I be well upon peaceful? You cannot even connect to the phrase because you are asleep. <laughs> you cannot connect even with the breath because your mind cannot draw closer to that experience. So you are asleep. So when we talk about sleepiness, it doesn't mean that you are actually dozing all the time. That's a gross part of sleepiness. <laughs> when you, you keep on saying, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's not okay, actually. <laughs> So you need actually to really be aware that actually sleepiness arises because of lack of equanimity in the energy. So that means you have excessive concentration of energy. So when you do standing meditation or walking meditation, you balance energy and concentration, and actually then you can be alert. That's what we mean, alertness, attention, and mindfulness. When you don't have this kind of alertness and attention, so it's easy to fall asleep. You know people walking like this, but they're asleep. Do you know <laughs> people are just lost in the past and the future? And in fact, more so they are not in their body until they knock their toe. Oops! <laughs> See bleeding. Oh, I have the body. <laughs> we are thinking about our job, our, our car, our granddaughter, our this. That's what's going on when people are walking college and all this, and what they're going to have for lunch, whether the car, where the party is still there with the window screen. So we are just so much 
in the past and the future that actually we have divorced our body. We have divorced. So we have so much in the head. Not that it's very bad, but it's just only uh, out of balance. We need to actually come back to being here in the present moment, coming back always to the body, because the body is a biofeedback. Actually, the body tells you what's going on. If you're tight, fear, and all that, so you can feel it in the chest and the shoulder. If you don't pay attention to the body, actually, at the end of the day, you're going to uh, have a, ask somebody to go for, to massage you. Can, oh, come here, can you touch like this, darling? <laughs> this is a lot of stress here. Or you go to a massage pour and just get a little, little massage. Or even drown ourselves in some kind of um, substance. Or even just get hooked in the television and get glued television so that we don't have to deal with the stress. But once you really become mindful and all that from moment to moment, coming back always to the, to the body again and again, then you are going to let go of that stress that builds when we don't know because of our daily life. We cannot reverse the clock. That's how it is. We have to think about our family, our jobs. This, this one we cannot do. And it's going to be like that. But we have to balance it by being a human being. Come back to the body and be with the body. And then when you are with the body, then it's very easy to watch what's going on in the mind. So that's an invitation, a kind of where to start, having a base, a grounding. It's like having a home. You know, you build your home, eh? and then you have uh, another home in Florida, and then you have friends in Australia. So you go to this place, traveling to Australia and all this, but always you come back home, isn't it? And when you come back home, how do you feel? You feel relaxed. Nobody's going to tell you, oh, you should have put the toothbrush here and all that stuff, because you're at home. So we, this body is our home, actually. The rest are houses. <laughs> so... So we come home always in our body and then we feel happy or I feel so relaxed. Then when you feel relaxed, you can actually do other things. But if you don't have a home, you're homeless, that means you have divorced your body, <laughs> always in your head, so you keep on traveling to Australia and all that and all that, you never come back home. And that's very difficult. I've traveled for a year, but I know how it feels, even if you stay in a hotel, you, you say, okay, no, I wish one day I come to my home and rest. So it's very, very, very important to come to the body. Very important. That's what we call it, grounding yourself. Have the grounding. If you don't ground yourself in the body, every time you are going to be swayed. It's like when you are having a boat and then you go on the sea and then when it's about to come out, you just leave it on the sea. You don't put an anchor. So then what happens is the wind is going to come, it will blow it another side, and then blow it another side. So you'll be at the mercy of the wind. So our life is at the mercy of mental defilement. Greed, hatred, aversion, anxiety, neurosis. So when attachment to greed arises, it pushes us wherever it wants. When aversion comes, it pushes us where it wants. When anxiety comes, it pushes us in another direction. Another thing comes, thoughts, excessive thought, obsessive thoughts, they push it in another direction. So we are so much torn apart. No, when we go there, we are stressed. Yes, another day. Then another day comes. Oh, here it is. 
we are not embracing even a, another day because we are not fresh. We are so much exhausted. Why are we exhausted? From our thoughts. In fact, they have written a whole book about why uh, we are unhappy. It's called The How of Happiness, scientific, from a scientific standpoint of view. This is America actually pumping a lot of money to find out why beings are not happy. They found out the reason why they're happy is because of overthinking. People want to think everything under the earth. They keep on thinking, 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 thinking. But where does thinking arise? In the mind. So people are so much in their mind. That's why I'm unhappy. Not because they don't have money. Not because they don't have resources. But actually they think. So if you think that money is what's going to bring you happiness, ultimate happiness, then you are actually uh, not yet there yet because money is serving that purpose to be happy. It's a tool, basically. So if you, even if you have everything and you're just thinking, you don't have any grounding and centering, so you're not going to enjoy your money. You're not going to enjoy your relationship because you're always swayed. That's why most people don't enjoy their relationship because they're not in the present moment. They don't have equanimity. Even when somebody give a positive comment, ah, oh, I like you this today. Or then you doubt whether it's really actually true or not. Yeah, this came from actually, I don't know, there's a teacher called Rick. I don't know if you have seen this book, Buddha's Brain. There's a teacher called uh, Rick Hanson. He teaches even here. This, I invite you to read this book. You find why actually we are off balance all the time. The reason is actually uh, very simple, according to evolution. This is called Buddha's Brain, Happiness, Love, and Wisdom. The Practical Neuroscience of Buddha's of happiness, love, and wisdom. I like this very much um, because it shows you why we are unhappy all the time. Why are, are we not equanimous? Why are we not grounded? He said that we used to live out in the wild there. There with the lions and all these things. Actually, I went to a national park in Kenya uh, this time in March. <laughs> I'm telling you, those guys, the lions are huge like this. And there's the antelopes and all that. I said, wow, I'm like I'm not living with them. Actually, where I lived, I, I spent a night. People so, had the lion roaring at night. I didn't hear it. I was fast asleep. But there was no barbed wire. We just had actually, we are living actually in their home. But those days, there was no these Manhattan buildings that like this. This came recently. Five 10,000 years ago, there was just simple huts like this. They were, in fact, they were just living under the tree. And the rule there was to kill or to be killed. That was one rule. There was no American constitution. <laughs> no way. Nobody even thought of an American constitution. So there, there was only one rule, and it was unwritten. To eat or to be eaten. That's the rule of the jungle. Still there, actually, I see dead deers and all that. Now, since human beings, we used to belong to that. So we used to live in a group, and we have to watch on each other. So then every time we have to do like this, to look out where the lion is going to pop up, <laughs> like this. So now we developed such a skill for so many years that even up now when we have a building like this, and the police, and the constitution, and everything, still the default, the default of our brain is always looking out for danger. So it's never in equilibrium because it's always scanning for the danger. 
So then they become uptight even when we have a holiday, we have saved money for the whole year, and we were in Florida, on the beach, had a good meal, a cold beer maybe. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, what? I wonder what's happening in my property. Did somebody break into last night? Oh, what happened to my daughter <laughs> in college in Brown University? Is she safe? Then we, we, scan out, we start worrying about simple nothing. These simple, simple nothings. Yeah? We keep on worrying, worrying, and worrying. So how to overcome, how can we correct that neurological imbalance? How, how are we going to do that? Unfortunately, there's no pill. <laughs> the pill is only actually to come back to the body, to the present moment. Because the breath can really bring that kind of psychological effect, calmness, and will be calm. Even when the brain is doing its own thing, scanning for danger, we can actually come to the breath. And then we feel happiness. Ah, then we feel safety. You find out any area of your body where you feel that softness, maybe the warmth of the heart, and then you can touch it. Then from there you can work your way from that point of equilibrium, uh, point of uh, happiness. That's why we send loving kindness. That's why we stand to come back to the present moment and not worry about things will, that will never happen. Because I've seen it, I've done my experiment, do your experiment, most of, half of the things that you worry, they will never happen at all. And in fact, maybe all. Very few things that I worry, uh, things that I worry about, that they really come out true. It's amazing. So why do you worry? Right, so I'd like to spend these 15 minutes uh, ask a question because uh, really uh, sitting there and they just meditate and quietness, uh, really just part of meditation but also part of meditation is right understanding. Most people think that meditation is just sitting there, warm your cushion and then... But when you look at meditation is actually eight things. And then when you master those eight things, concentration is going to arise, then also equanimity is going to arise. What are those eight things? Right understanding. By asking your questions, you are cultivating right understanding. Actually, meditation, people have, have a connotation of meditation as watching your breath. In and out, in and out. We are not balloons. Human beings are not balloons where you just put in air and air out. Are we? We look like that, but we're not balloons. In. That's why people even doubt. You mean you're watching your breath? If you tell your uncles or aunties what you've been doing this weekend, I've been watching my breath? Why, why, why watch your breath? You mean you've not been breathing since you were born? So actually meditation is... Watching your breath is good, but we have to know how to watch it properly and how to connect it with life. Because the breath gives us life, health, and happiness. But if we just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, we're just tiring our abdomen. Really, it will be exhausted. That's why right understanding is very important. So my session has also right understanding where you're going to ask questions, and then I can answer and clear out the way, so that when you observe the breath, then you're observing it in a correct manner. And if, when you live your entire life, not only is it about observing the breath, it's about working and all this. So we want to see how we can weave everything. 
And breath is very good to come to as a foundation, as the beginning, but it's just not the only meditation technique. It's just a grounding technique. And it can take you a little enlightenment, but we do a lot of things beyond the breath that we can apply equanimity and be happy and be grounded and all that things. Okay, and, and I invite you for a question before you go for lunch. And then when you come back, that's where we are going to do walking meditation. When you come back here, after your lunch, slide into walking meditation until the bell rings so that we roll on with the program. So last 15 minutes and invite a question about the instruction that I gave this morning and also if you have any question. I've already written these questions. I'm going to address them either in a Dharma talk, a discussion, or other things. So I'm aware of all these questions. Mm, you have a question? Mm -hmm. So my question was No. And it was interesting because I saw, like I saw that I came back to my breath and then I said, I'm not even going to do this breath. I'm just, you know, not being too dedicated. I'm just a two-year-old. I'm just going to like, you know, not enjoy this meditation because it's annoying me right now. Right. the thing is that uh, this is a good question you're not alone there's so many people in your club actually having this kind of uh, uh, problem <coughs> first we have to know what's meditation what's meditation how do I know that I'm meditating this question is very important how do you know you're meditating even people ask okay sit here how do I know that I'm meditating so we have to define what's meditation. Meditation is mental development, mental purification, mental cultivation. Now, how do, you, how do I know that I'm meditating? You will know once something arises and you get to know it, whatever it is, I don't care the content, whether it's anger, rage, whatever, the breath, whatever it is. If you know that it's happening, to that extent you're meditating. But most people think that they are meditating only when they are focusing on a breath, coming in, going on, coming in, without any feeling, without any emotion, without anything. It's just the breath. My friend, that's only part of meditation. There's more to meditation than watching the breath. That's why the Buddha gave the foundation of mindfulness. 
One is the body and the breath is the body. Another one is feeling. How you feel when you are breathing? If you know that, it might be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. But people think that meditation is to watch the breath, and when they have a feeling of unpleasant, they just freak out. They start freaking out. And then also, the Buddha gave the third foundation of mindfulness, is mental states. So as you are breathing, there are mental states around the breath. Either anxiety, fear, whatever that can arise. So you, you, the key is to make that part of your meditation. Other than saying I'm not meditating and uh, Bhante Buddha is telling us to come back to the breath and I can't be away of the breath, what's arising for me is just anger, and then you fight, then that's not going to help. Because when I give instruction, okay, come back to the breath, I know not all of you are coming back to the breath. Your mind state might be somewhere else. And instead of fighting, you just incorporate that. Let's say if I say, come into back the breath and feel the breath, the warmth and all that. One of you will do that, but the rest of them may not be able to do that if they're smart enough because this is just an invitation. I'm just giving you an invitation in case you're lost. Otherwise, you keep on going. Keep on going. You see? For people who are lost, whom they don't know where they are, they, that fits in very well the, as a reminder that if you are lost in the past and the future and you don't know where you are, come back home. <laughs> come back home. It's yours. Or it's all yours. Yours. Or enjoy. Yeah. But if your mind is somewhere, um, it's helpful. But if you really actually feel anger rises, be with it. How does it feel in the body? Come back to the body. Feel it. Then the, also the fourth foundation of mindfulness includes everything, thoughts and other things that are not included in the first three foundations. So really, actually, noticing something is meditation. In fact, when something happens and you know that it's happening, that's what I call meditation. If something is happening and you don't know that it's happening, you are not meditating. You are hanging in there. That's the difference between meditation and non-meditation. In fact, the knowledge of a meditator and the non-meditator is diametrically opposite. In other words, if you are not, you are not meditating, you are like maybe a horse. When the horse is standing, it's just standing. It doesn't know that you are standing. It's standing. But somebody who is a meditator, he knows that he's standing, and from moment to moment, he sees the intention of standing, and standing, and the sensation of standing. You know it, not only knowing it, you see it changing. The, the warmth changing, uh, pressure changing, hardness changing. To that extent, you are meditating. The foundation is just to know that this body is sitting. Of course, if you feel all those things, again, coming to the a neutral thing is, it helps. Like the body, come and feel the body touching the ground instead of getting lost in the past and future. But if you know whatever that's writhing and you get to know it to that extent, you are meditating. It may not be the breath, but it might be a feeling pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. It can be an emotion. It might be a difficult emotion. It can be pleasant emotion like a loving kindness, joy, delight. It can be rage. The content doesn't matter. What matters is how you relate to what's happening. That's one rule of meditation. To relate. How do I relate to what's happening? And other than getting in a context. A content. So does that help? Yeah. So you're meditating. Okay, another question. There's somebody who raised their hand there. You know when you can experience, sometimes I know that you know when you can 
Right. All of them, all of them, because knowing uh, is there are different no, no ways of knowing. We start with the conceptual level, and then we deepen. It's like when you go to the ocean, you start with the beach, and then you go deep water, and then you go deeper, deeper. We don't expect all the time to plunge in 200 miles in the ocean. <laughs> so he's teaching the Buddha's teaching. It's a gradual teaching. So it starts from concept where you can feel uh, in the ordinary way and then you go down, 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 down. That's why I always I give an experiment. Meditation is like this. Actually, it has three levels. Okay. One is to know the hand. Okay. This is what you call even difference between Samatha meditation because we are doing Samadhi meditation uh, by focusing on metal loving kindness. I'm going to tell you the, the difference between Samadhi and Vipassana meditation which goes deeper. Right? Okay, you see your hand here? You see it with your hand, your, your eyes. This hand, you see it. That's a conceptual level. And most of us, we stay on that conceptual level most of the time. This difference is very, very important. All of you, I would like to tell you, because most people don't know the difference between Samatha meditation and Vipassana meditation. Samadhi meditation, uh, I mean Samatha meditation, which cultivates concentration, it deals with concepts. That this hand is a concept. There's nothing written inside here. It's a hand. We just use this as to identify left hand, right hand. Really, even left and right, a concept. So this knowledge we need to know. To on a conceptual level, we need to know that's the left hand, right hand, so that we can drive on the left side and right side. <laughs> when we are driving, it's very helpful. <laughs> so we keep this concept, but the problem we con we make this concept real. And that's the problem. So we need to know the conceptual level, no problem, in order to function. And there's no way how we are going to skip gears and then we don't know the concept. That's the way to start. In fact, that's why we start our meditation with a concept we are familiar with, like beings. May all beings be well, up and peaceful. We see beings with these two eyes and all that as a human being. May you be well, up and peaceful. So this, in this hand is a concept. But also, if you put this hand, and then this kind of movement. I like you to do like this. Like this. You see this is called a mod. This is a mod, the movement. Right? This is a mod and manner, how things move. First, as a concept, with the hand, like this. And then there's another level of meditation where you're aware of the movement. Still, you can see that with your eyes. Become aware of the movement. Alright? That will be still also samatha meditation, where you see become aware of the movement. Actually, you can see it as the breath comes, you can feel that movement, but actually, you take it as a concept. Right? But then, I would like you to press your hand like this. Press it harder. Press it harder. Press it very, very, very hard. Very hard. So, each of you are going to tell me, and close your eyes, please. Close your eyes, so I like each of you to say what you feel. You have to press it so tight. Tell me what you feel when you have closed your eyes. Huh? Huh? Say something you feel. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
years, I say something throbbing, heat, pressure. I feel that. Uh -huh, another person says something burning. Okay, before we open our eyes, did you see burning with your eyes? Huh? Did you see it with your eyes? Okay, open your eyes. Now, still continue, continue. Okay, what do you feel? Trembling. Another one? Burning, stretching. Can you see, can you see stretching with your eyes? You have good eyes, you guys. You have glasses and all that. Can you see that with your eyes? What about the heat? Can you see the heat? That one you can experience it. I want you to release, 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 release. Let it go and then come back. Okay. Now, what happened to the pressure? It passed away. Did you see that pressure passing away with your eyes? No. How did you experience these things? With your mind. With your mind. Isn't it? So that's called direct experience. That's where wisdom comes. Because you are seeing with your inner wisdom eye. Not this naked eye. This to that extent is limited. Your naked eyes, even if you have the best eyes under the sun, you will never see pressure. That's where meditation is. That's what we call insight meditation. Where we can see something with our mind. We can contemplate. We said seeing with the mind, actually it means contemplate. That's what we call insight. Inside. Inside you. Because this is happening inside you. <laughs> That's why we call insight meditation. Because it's happening inside you. Not because inside the him or her. Because your experience and my experience is different. It's not the same. And this thing that you experienced is not because the Buddha said it. It's not because I said it. It's not because you read it in a book. It's your direct experience. So your question is that sometimes you see the surface, sometimes you see the inner thing or the concept. Yes, all of them are very important, but don't get stuck in the outside world. Concept because I know there's an experience they made a, somebody the teacher ask what's this apple? All children I think they say it's red, but only one kid who said no 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 the apple is not red, the apple is also white, and then they cut it. Sure there was more white than the, the, the red. So the problem in our life we stay so much on the concept everything's red and all that because that's what we can see with our eyes, and then we will never even think that the, the apple is white. That's what happens with our life. We live on extremes. We live on extremes and we live superficially. Because we never allow ourselves to penetrate deeply to see what's happening to our body. That's why I gave you instruction on standing meditation. So that actually you can feel it directly when you close your eyes. Not something that you have to do some kind of mathematical figure, calculus and find out whether it's pressure or hardness. No, no, no. This is direct experience. And once you have this direct experience, you are going to always be grounded. Because this is exactly what we are going to use when emotions arises. When emotion arises, why are they tormenting us? Why emotions torment us and leave us regard of the present moment? Because we are not mindful. So the 
actually go in very deep very deep and they, are, they, can't, they start sleeping there and then they raise their ugly head because we don't pay attention we are not in a body grounded but once we grounded in a body we know how to pay attention to the present moment we are going to see even anger arising we are going to see picking up it was reaching its peak and then we see it subsiding yes uh, who has never done walking meditation raise your hand okay welcome <laughs> yes uh, uh, all of you you know how to do walking meditation okay so uh, you'll have private lessons <laughs> once we finish sitting meditation uh, we are going to have uh, you meet there and I show you how to do walking meditation so this is time for uh, mindfulness of sitting so where we assume a, a very comfortable posture sit comfortably whether you are in a chair you don't lean back actually when you are in a chair try to support yourself with the back not just using the support of the chair opening your chest so that the breath is not hampered right so you're opening your chest and then you put one hand on top of the other to help us to open the chest really there's nothing magical really to put your hand here except in Chinese medicine uh, they think there's a, a meridian of energy that flows around if you do like this the energy keeps on flowing but the idea is actually is to open your chest so that you don't do like this you squeeze your lungs and there's not enough air coming in you squeeze your lungs and also not too much strain like this you can't breathe properly so when you relax your shoulders then uh, this weight helps you to drop your shoulders other than like this so this is really very helpful chin parallel to the ground so that your neck is not straining like this like this because this is like 10 pounds 10 pounds and if you really sit like this love gravity is going to go against you and do like this like this and then you know pain so this is very very important so uh, as I told you we are trying to practice concentration so that our mind is focused so we are going to use the breath as the grounding you take a s uh, slow deep breath just two or three times eyes half closed or half open so again this helps us to cut off the visual objects in front of you like somebody's hairdo or t-shirt so you don't have to look at that during meditation so it's an inward journey not getting distracted with the externals, external things so really you want to focus inside what's going on in your mind and body again let it go of controlling the breath don't make it longer or shorter just breathe as natural as possible this is not science of breathing or breathing exercise it's really paying attention to the breath as it comes in and out simply stay where you feel the breath more distinctly it can be at the nostrils or the rise and the fall of the name. 
In fact, you can even put your finger here on the nose, here, put your finger here on the nose. You can feel it breathing and breathe out. You can feel the warmth breathing, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. So you can now remove the finger. That's what you want to continue to discern as the breath comes in. I told you we are not balloons. We really have to understand and discern what's happening when we're breathing. Different sensations arises and we're present. Like warmth, movement. It's very subtle. It's only when you put a finger that you feel it there. But really I invite you to feel what happens when you're breathing. Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Is it smoothness? Is it movement? Is it warmth? Concentration is again by constant mindfulness. So we have to be constantly mindful of the breath coming in and out so that we don't allow in difficult emotions like fear, anxiety, aversion. So we want to keep our mindfulness and attention and alertness and awareness going. If your mind keeps wandering here and there, simply be aware of wandering, wandering, and then come back to the breath. No need to struggle with the breath, simply pay awareness to what's already happening naturally, allowing the breath to be as natural as possible. No need to go with the breath inside the body or outside. Your job is that of a gatekeeper, simply noting what's entering in and out. And if you feel you're struggling to know the breath, your mind is constricted, you can be aware of the sound external sound, simply be aware of hearing, 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 mindfulness of hearing reminds us of the natural quality of mindfulness. When the sound arises, you are present. You don't have to make sound come or go, but you can be aware. So the same thing, we don't have to make the breath long or shorter, but we can be aware of it. Through initial applications, through initial application of the mind to the breath and sustaining our attention, joy will arise naturally. gladness and joy is going to arise because there's no mind states like aversion, anxiety that is tormenting us. Then our mind is going to be one-pointed. That means it's going to be uh, connected to the breath.
you are lost in the past and the future. Be aware of thinking and come back the breath. Any emotion that arises like fear, anxiety, aversion, simply be aware of aversion. Anger. And then come back the breath. attention here now in this present moment without getting lost in the past and future simply be with whatever it is that's arising and reconnect with the breath the breath as a foundation for cultivating calmness and uh, I'm sure you can feel that these 40 minutes you feel a sense of calmness and balance so the question is how can we carry it forward okay you've experienced some calmness that's what I hope that actually you have some calmness and tranquility and concentration watching your breath. Uh, how can we carry it forward? Are we going to leave it on a cushion uh, or on a chair? <laughs> the way we can carry this forward is actually to cultivate what I told you, MTM, moment-to-moment -moment mindfulness. So as you stand up, Watch all your transition. Every moment is very important. 
to carry forward your mindfulness. So if we are going to say, okay, we are going to stand, instead of it going straight to standing, uh, you want to be aware of every movement. So we are going to do standing meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.